this week on Dig Me Out. With your hosts, Jason Zia and Tim Minichi. Jay, we're back again with another episode thanks to our Dig Me Out Union on Patreon. You can help us make the next episode happen by joining us at dmounion.com or digmeoutunion.com. And Jay, this week we have a union member joining us. He's uh he's brought his lunch pail and his uh <laughs> and his hard hat. He's his uh he's been in all the meetings. His yep. dues are all up to date. His dues are <laughs> he's a he's a he's an active voting member. There you go. Everything's everything's lined up. Everything is lined he up. He had his ID card when he came in. We're on target, Jay, you might say. <laughs> Welcome back to the show, Andrew O'Connell. Andrew O.C., how you doing? Doing great. It's a pleasure to be with you guys. I like your t-shirt, by the way. You got the triple fast action going. I did kind of try and dress the part and even adjust the camera so we get a little bit of that in there i'm really excited uh, that uh hey triple fast i know there's a lot of triple fast action fans uh on the podcast so i'll just give i know i know most people are probably not watching video but the triple Got fast it. action came out loving it uh but that's that's not why we're here just repping it because i love it <laughs> there you go we love to hear it and uh that's right. That's not what we're, we're going to talk about. We are going to talk about a record that you selected. Uh, what was your pick last year? Do you recall? Last year, and it doesn't even feel all that long ago, but um, it was Antenna, right? Correct. Antenna. So are we moving in a different direction this year? Let's find out. Share with the audience your pick for your record for 2023? 23, um, I don't, I, I, I think most of my picks have been kind of all over the place where like, it, you might remember there's there's some material issue. There's, uh, mm -hmm. there was Tom Waits, there was Eels, there was Guar even. Uh, but um, I think you'll find today's is, uh, in line with some of them, I, I chose uh, the 91 album from Boston Rockers, The Moving Targets. Excellent. Not a band I was familiar with, but I'd heard the name because of the Boston scene and, you know. I was, I was going to ask if I wanted to, I, I planned on doing my homework and unfortunately I'm that type of student who didn't because uh, I had heard I had listened to that episode when it came out, but I didn't go back to return if they were mentioned at all or not. I don't think so. But on all music, Bill Janovitz wrote their history, like wrote their whole story of the band, which we're I had never seen that before. I know he's a writer, but so he mentioned about, he talked about how big they were in terms of history of the band. They formed, we'll talk about this a little bit more, but they formed in 81. So this is a true like post-punk band mm -hmm. in the sense of like coming out of the actual post-punk movement of the early 80s, late 70s, early 80s. And um, 
were contemporaries of Husker Du. Like while Husker Du was recording with Lou Giordano, you know, to make whatever it was, New Day Rising or whatever, they were like the next band to go talk to Lou and record a record with them. Like they, they were like on parallel paths, but in two parts of the different parts of the country. Um, and he just, you know, Bill went into the whole history of the band and member changes and all that kind of stuff. And Jay, were you, had you heard this band before or heard their name? Uh, no, I mean, I've heard the, the term moving target, but uh, totally unfamiliar with them. Got it. How did you discover this record, Andrew? It's funny. I, I want to know, and I, I don't know if we can, if we can prove this, but I might be, I want to know if I'm the first um, union member who's ever, uh, I, I came across this album. I was listening to this album for the first time when I got the ding uh, that Dig Me Out had emailed me uh, uh, to choose this. I was listening to this album for the first time. Uh, okay. And oh. uh, you know what? I, 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 I told you guys a little bit earlier. Um, the, I, 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 have a, I have a bench of albums that I could always go to uh, for the foreseeable future, but um, right. I was given one to listen. Uh, in the car and uh as a responsible union member does uh, i set my email to notify me when dig me out uh email oh, so very good very uh, good it was uh it, it was i don't know it was a great uh momentary a, a good moment to actually uh have it all align and uh serendipitous serendipitous that's a better way of saying it <laughs> <laughs> but um no, I was I, I had heard an interview from somebody from uh, the Boston scene, Todd Phillips, who I believe is uh, I believe he was a drummer from Bullet La Volta. Mm -hmm. which, um, Ken um, Ken Chamberlain. Chambers. Uh, what is it? Chambers. Chambers. That's what it is. You're right. I'm probably. Uh, anyways, uh, Ken Chambers had played with in Bullet La Volta. And he was uh, mentioning other um, influences from the Boston scene and uh, mentioned moving targets and how much he loved them. So it was just on a random listen for me that I went on. And um, the majority of moving targets, I think, output um, was in the 80s. And I don't know, their second album might have been 90. Uh, I'm not willing to commit to that one, but this one's from 90. And um, gave it a spin and I thought it uh, was worth discussing. I can give you the info, the, 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 the history of this band. Cleared up, Tim. So they formed in 81 in North Shore, Massachusetts, which I believe is in the general Boston um, area. And they were a trio. Original lineup was Kenny Chambers with bassist Pat Leonard. Chambers played guitar and sang uh, Leonard on bass and Pat Brady on drums. They recorded their first album with the aforementioned Lou Giordano uh, for uh, to re was released in 1986, Burning in Water. After that, uh, Leonard was replaced by Chuck Freeman and then the band's second album, Brave Noise, came out in 1988. And 
I think this was the lineup for the second or for the third record. Let me double check. Um, yes, Chuck Freeman plays. Well, he plays bass on like most of the record, and then Pat Leonard plays bass on four songs for this album. And do you have the vinyl? I do. I do. Wow. No, you, you got that right. That Chuck Freeman plays bass the majority of the record, but um, original bassist Leonard is on four of them on the on the back half. So this was uh, released on Tang in 1991 and actually October of 91. So what was happening in October of 91? Was there any other records that came out <laughs> around this time? Perhaps a, a, a Nevermind or a, or a Use Your Illusion around this time. Uh, this was also produced by Lee Gior Lou Giordano um, with Ken Chambers. And then this was the last one with Pat Brady in the band. I think on the next record, uh, it was Jay Arkari was on drums. And then the band broke up after their Take a Ride album, Take This Ride album in 1993. They reformed briefly for 2006 to 2007. And then they got back together, I guess, permanently in 2016. And they've put out two records. 2019, they put out Wires. And in 2020, they put out Humbucker. In 2018, they did an expanded reissue of a b-sides compilation not a b-sides but like a rarities demos compilation called the other side it was originally released in 2016 but then it was reissued in 2018 with more material and yeah so they're still they're kind of an active band the, the lineup now is kenny chambers with emilian catalano um and yves tebalt or thebo Thebo, not T-Bolt, Thebo. <laughs> I think that's probably the correct pronunciation for that. Um, on bass and drums. So what you could say is this is a, a Kenny Powers project. Kenny Powers, Kenny Ch Chambers project. <laughs> I'm actually really glad you said that because several times when I was, I, I don't want to say I rehearsed for this uh, a whole lot, but I do, I, I, I take notes and think about things that I want to say. And several times I've said Kenny Powers. <laughs> You're not alone, Tim. <laughs> dollar dollar bills, y'all. Yeah. Uh, so that's, uh, so that's the history of this band. We got some comments over at Patreon. We'll share the result, the poll results for where the album better EP or decent single at the end of the episode. But here are the comments that we got. Kyle Bittner said, reminiscent of the softer side of Husker Du and the replacements were the album, but that cover is trash. To which <laughs> you said, in defense of the album cover, unclothed babies were popular in album covers at the time. You're you're yeah. not wrong. Uh, I mean, I mean, I the only mistake they made mind. is uh, putting a diaper on that baby. Yeah. They could have had a hit. <laughs> if only. Right. And it would have ensued many years later. Many I mean, you might later. have had to dangle a dollar bill over it or something, but. Right. Uh, Gavin said, I hadn't heard this, but I enjoyed it somewhat. The vocal is a bit weak, but otherwise enjoyable without a standout. I was struggling for a description until I read Kyle's, which nails it. Then he said, on repeated listens, I've switched to a worthy album. 
so he was at an ep i think and then and then went to it where the album so uh i guess that was a grower for gavin will it be a grower for us let's find out jay why don't you share us uh, share with us uh, one thing you liked about fall from moving targets in a lot of ways it's a uh, it feels like a earnest kind of unassuming band uh i i even interpreted it when i was listening to it as like this might be a younger uh band or a you know early release so it's interesting to hear it's it's actually not um i guess you could say it's probably middle career <laughs> uh if they're still making records but there's like a I don't know. There's like a raw energy to it, I guess, or spontaneity almost to uh, not only how it's performed, but even some of the sounds, you know, the bass sound that starts the record off is kind of that, I don't know, clanky, punky kind of bass sound. And, you know, it, production wise, it's okay, but it, it also sounds, you know, pretty raw in terms of, uh, you know, it's not overproduced or uh, with, with a lot of layers or anything. So it has this, punk rock energy i think at the heart of it uh and then you get songs that are interpreting that in a kind of uh almost a buffalo tom or replacements kind of way where it's you know pretty hooky accessible it has a little bit of an edge um you know the vocal is is there to deliver the song um got some you know pretty decent courses there's not any i don't think there's any like major like you know punch you in the face kind of huge choruses but it's melodic uh, and there's some good strong choruses um you know a good example is answer is uh is a good example of like a really cool like driving melodic tune there's some dynamics in there with the guitar shifting things get a little noisy some cool effects mixing in some chunky chords so you kind of get this balance of you know, a little bit of muscle with some some melody. for me i think is probably the best example of a replacements type riff like right away that hook comes in on the guitar uh and just reminds me a ton of uh, of something uh the replacements right strong melody too in that in that song as well but then there's another side of this band that can work as well which is it sounds almost post-punk to me so i hear like on something like can you blame me bigger dynamics more slightly more angular interesting guitars a little bit more aggressive um no souls another example where 
it's kind of sounds like gang of four so it's like this other side of the band that's taking these metallic kind of like interesting riffs that are also kind of hooky and pushing the boundaries of like you know you know what you can turn punk into um so the, the those moments work for me as well now they're very they can be very different uh the, those songs don't exactly sound like something like fumble um but i think it shows like you know, to me this sounds like a band taking punk and figuring out you know different ways to interpret it and what to do with it uh i, I think the last thing is it's interesting to hear there's two bass players on this because i thought the bass was uh maybe you know the low-key star of the record in terms of just there's some really cool interesting lines you can tell it's probably a three-piece because the bass is busy you know there, there's a lot going on typically um in terms of trying to fill up some space which i appreciate like it's just a fun listen if you listen to uh listen to the bass on this record i think blind is probably the best example uh of just you know some really cool you know you know basic parts but also filling in space doing little runs and little accents here and there and just i think really helping to make the three-piece work i think you typically in a three-piece you if you've got a killer bass player you're you're in good shape so uh, it's interesting to me here you hear there's two bass players on this because bass was the, like of all the instruments the one that kind of popped out uh, as being being the most important in the band so that that's some of the stuff that worked for me how about you tim well it's interesting with the songs that you highlighted i had different sort of interpretations of what was going on for me yeah but i definitely highlighted the same songs i think that this is a nice combination of the experience of Kenny Chambers having been in a post-punk punk slash band for 10 years at this point and streamlining or, or, or not streamlining, but, um, you know, taking songs that probably were a little punkier 10 years ago, five years ago. And then you get stuff like answer answer to me sounded like hold me up. Goo Goo Dolls. Like, the melody to that almost sounded like there you are from from hold me up which was the single on that one and away from me kind of reminded me of like drama rama that guitar lick that darn and like i that was so catchy it's so yeah. freaking catchy so it reminded me of those like 80s uh, well hold me up as a 90 album but of of the evolution of post-punk incorporating some some poppier sounds in the way that who's could do for me has always been a challenge because those first couple albums are so the production on them is very um you got to get used to it yeah. when you get into stuff later on like candy apple gray and and the ones that have a bit more polished production you can hear bob mold integrating catchier melodies that he would then use in his solo work and and in his you know sugar albums and that to me was like the the parallel in terms of this is when like Husker Du started to figure out like we can do we can do this energetic aggressive post hardcore sound but then we can also do don't want to know if you're lonely or 
if I can't change your mind, you know, like, like those kind of songs that Bob Mould can write that are, that have these really, really good hooks, even though they're not pop songs in a, in the same way that other bands would. Um, I thought it was funny when, when the record started and it starts with that slightly under two minute intro, which is just instrumental. I was like, Oh, is this going to be an instrumental post-punk album? Like what's going on here? Right. Um, Cause I love that bass tone. Like that's killer tone. It's just yeah. a lot, very MIDI, not MIDI in the keyboard sense, but just mid range, chunky, um, kind of has a jaw box almost. Uh, I can yeah. imagine um, what's his name from jaw. I can't remember the bass player from jaw box, but whatever it was, that's Kim, Kim Coletta. There we go. Had to go into the recesses of my brain to remember who the bass player was from, from Jawbox. Um, but yeah, there, there's a lot of almost, I'm trying to think of a song. I think it was maybe No Soul. Part of that song and then part of, um, I think it's overrated. Where there's like, there's some like big riffs here that almost sound like there's like one where it's like a descending lift, like and I'm like, yeah, that is not a post-punk. That's, that's something else. Like he's drawing on a different influence there that I can't quite pin down, but there's some really interesting guitar riffs here on this record that I think if you just, you know, one or two passes, you're like, okay, this is late eighties, early nineties, college alternative indie rock with a post-punk punk slash vibe. And then you like listen to Kenny Chambers guitar playing. You're like, hmm, there's there's a little bit more going on with this stuff than just four chords and bashing it out as fast as possible. what Gavin experienced I also experienced where I was like mm, this is interesting I don't know if I love it and then as I listened to it more and more it was like okay I can I'm picking up more things that are happening I didn't love the straight up hardcore of like fumble but I think in the context of the record it doesn't bother me as much as if like the entire record was that way I don't know if you feel the same like a, a, an entire record of would probably wear on me after a while um and even though this is a pretty short record it's only 33 minutes um 33 yeah. minutes of that would would probably be too much yeah i think at that point in the record i was with you in that uh you know i think that song and it was it was an answer where i was getting like oh this is like uh reminding me of early goo goo dolls like oh it, not that they sound like that, but they're, they're playing with the same pieces. 
they're mm-hmm. putting them together in a slightly different or you know different way but so that i think something like fumble to me sounds like a you know a robbie song in the early goo goo dolls yes know? whereas then you oh then you get the melodic side with answer and you're like okay i get where there's we're gonna have this push and pull between like you know do we are we a straight up punk band or are we a melodic you know rock band yeah but then it, it i think after that it starts to take a bunch of different other turns but in the context of those two songs that that song made sense to me in that way mm-hmm. andrew so this is a relatively new record for you right that's what you're yeah what you told us yeah you know um about the past month or so i've been listening to it pretty heavily so um i don't know it, it, if it's my turn yes um, I appreciate uh, all of the uh, all the other bands that you've kind of mentioned because I've heard them too. Like, yeah, I've definitely heard the the replacements and Bob Mold all over this and Husker Do and you mentioned Jawbox. I definitely hear uh, all of those things. And even when we talk about things like the Goo Goo Dolls, I think in the past we've also talked like, you know, the the Goo Goo Dolls owe so much of their success to the indie rock success of bands like the Replacements. You know. Um, and it, or, or early Goo Goo Dolls, right? But um, some of the things that uh, I really like about this one, like first, the, 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 there's so much great guitar on this record and, and you chimed on, but this is, this, it's a one guitar band. It's a trio. You know, there's so much where he, when he knows how to ring out and uh, just let the bass totally take the front stage. But then immediately after, he will rip a killer solo. Um, and, um, you know, the songs there, most of them are pretty short. Um, even the ones that like, uh, it, they know how, if it's going to be, you know, songs like Overrated or No Soul, like w- w- where they're not the most complicated of songs, they know how to get in and get out really quick. Uh, so that they're not being any type of repetitive. But um, uh, one of the things that I thought was really cool, um, I, I mentioned there's a lot of like guitar ring out, there's guitar feedback on a, a lot of this, but I think it plays really well with songs like um, travel music, the instrumental in the middle of the record, where um, it, it's really cool that on that, on the second two instrumental tracks, they really let uh, the the drummer and the bassists um, shine and let them do their thing and really showcase their instrumentalism. But um, in terms of like pairing the guitar sounds on the record, so much feedback and ring out, you start hearing him play with, I'm pretty sure that's an Ebo he's gotta be playing with uh, in travel music. And I'm just not sure of anybody who is doing, I mean, we're talking about different flavors of punk rock, but you're doing a 91 punk rock album and he's cool with, okay, well, we're going to do this Ebo thing uh, to, to bring this new type of atmosphere to these uh, instrumental songs. And I think you hear it a little bit less on Awesome Sky on the backtrack of the record, but travel music, um, is where, where I really go like, wow, you're, you're, you're doing something. And they were already were doing something different, different types of punk rock. And then, you know, for 
a 91 punk rock album experimenting with Ebo uh, on an instrumental in the middle of the record. And also just side A, side B, that's the end of side one. I, I think that's a really good end to, the, to that front side. Um, but um, what else? That's um, a good point I, that I this, really... this is a, like, you can think of that in terms of a vinyl sequencing, because this is just before like CDs really take off. So they're probably still thinking in terms of vinyl records when they're sequencing stuff. Right. And, and then that brings up uh, the first song on side B would be away from me. And how, how could you kick off a second half better than that? Because yeah. I think that that. We're like, I, I have no idea what they would have promoted as a single. This is Tang Records. Um, Tang Records, famous in the 80s for, uh, they, I believe they've produced some stuff from the Lemonheads, the Boss Tones, mm -hmm. some others from the Boston scene. But, um, you know, obviously this one did not gain much traction. But, um, you know, if there was a single, I'd have to, I, I would say, away from me is probably one that I would think would be there but yeah if you're looking at tang um you know there's like mission of burma lemonheads gangrene bullet la volta you know that's that's all around this time who else uh dinosaur junior singles and i think it, and at some point they start doing i guess it's around oh, it's the same year or yeah, around the same time, it's uh, the first Mighty Boss Tones. So definitely a lot of interesting... I mean, that's a... I don't really know much about Tang. That would be a good episode for uh, when we do those record label episodes. Because they have a, like, a lot of interesting artists have had records out on that label that we've talked about. But... Uh, and like... Tang stands for teenagers are not good. Uh, I looked that one up. <laughs> uh, track one, for listeners, track one is called the Tang intro. It's an instrumental. It's, you know, you mentioned, I, I think that driving bass is really cool. And I, I think the tone uh, on the bass and on the guitar, there's a little bit more of an aggressive tone on the guitar that, you know, it's not consistent throughout the record. But um, I enjoyed that. And uh, I love it when a track one on a record is going get to you, get you ready for the rest. So I forgot to mention, or I, not that I forgot to mention, I didn't know this. They actually put out a record this January as well. So they've had three albums out in the last three years. Or, or yeah, yeah, I think yeah, that's right. I, or four I, years. I none of that. But I over the course of the last maybe month or so, I've been looking at that. Like, I'm looking. I missed them at their Chicago date and uh, in 2022. And I'm looking at it. Also, look, this is a fairly obscure band, I think. Um, mm -hmm. there, there's not a whole ton of Spotify plays. But um, I, I looked at, like, where they played at in Chicago on their 2022. And I'm like, that's not a that's not a large venue, man. <laughs> Maybe a hundred, hundred twenty-five. Wow. I, mean, I, I can't I can't wait till they hit up. Right now, I think they're in Japan. Actually, um, whenever they tour the states again.
Jay, what doesn't work for you on this record? Uh, I think it was mentioned in the comments from Patreon that the you know the vocal is inconsistent. It, it's um, you know it can do its job in terms of just you know trying to just deliver some kind of melody, some kind of hook, not trying to overstate. But there's also times where it just doesn't quite sound confident. Uh, it's not unlistenable. It's not annoying. It's just, I think one of those things where had the vocal been just a little bit stronger, I think this, this record could go to a different, different level. Um, I think the other two would be maybe inter interrelated would be, I, I struggled a little bit with the instrumentals. Um, I think there's what, three of them on here. They felt like, they were the middle ground of the two things that, that I said I liked about the band. So I was, I'm liking the band when they're pushing things a little bit and getting a little bit more aggressive or angular. And I also like when they're, uh, you know, punk energy with, with, you know, tr melodies. And I felt like there's a, the instrumentals and then a handful of other songs that are kind of in this middle space, this no man's land of like, I'm not quite sure what it is. And the, the instrumentals, I didn't think that there was enough going on to kind of warrant why, why you would have three of them on the, on the album. I could see maybe one, but three felt like to me, there wasn't just, there's just not, not enough performance there or interest um, without having a vocal and a song around it. So didn't don't didn't love those i felt myself fading on those and, and fading on some of the other songs that had vocals but also were in this middle ground of like you know, i think once upon a time is a good example of like it starts off with a really good riff but then it start like the instrumentals like you get kind of these generic riffs like just repeating alternating two chord riffs and a lot of changes that i'm not sure like where the song is going it's just a little overwrought, like overthinking it a bit too much, maybe or something. So I just think there's some material in here that's um, meandering or undefined that didn't really connect connect with me as well. Anything that worked for you, Tim? Yeah, I agree. I, his vocal is not my cup of tea. Just in terms of, I feel like when the hook is there, his it's just not strong enough. Like there's just it it is shouty at times, and there's not this there's just not he doesn't capture the melody as strongly as like it needs to because like we mentioned some really great songwriters in terms of comparisons Paul Westerberg Bob Mold Johnny Resnick if you want to put I don't want to put him with the those guys but he I mean he's got a lot of hit songs. I feel like that there's a polish to them in their own ways. Like Paul Westerberg's not polished, but he knows how to deliver the line. And same with Bob Mould. Bob Mould has a very specific, unique voice, but he always finds like the way to get it, to, to refine it and get it exactly perfect so that it's a hook. And this to me feels like that second tier of bands where like, you know, they're good musicians, other musicians like them, 
but there's just something that's keeping them from breaking through to the mainstream. And to me, it's like, there isn't an obvious, I think it wasn't even in the comments. Like there's not an obvious single. There's an obvious single from like musical standpoints, but there's not an obvious single from a lyrical melody standpoint. And that's what I struggled with, with this band. Andrew, what about you? Anything that worked for you on this record? Well, I mean, I'll agree that the the vocals are just kind of okay. Uh, you know, it, it's not where the the album excels, but I think most of the musicianship and the songwriting uh, carries and delivers. My point. What I would say uh, a negative, and I I think this was brought this was brought up on uh, <laughs> it was brought up with our group. I do think it's kind of a terrible album cover. <laughs> it's uh, so oh, for- wait, the, the, the hand, the logo at the top is different than the streaming version. Yeah, it is. Oh, is it? Yeah. Okay. The streaming so, version looks uh, it, like the, uh, the Jeff Ament font. It's like, it's a handwritten in white. That's like oh, a really? pink and like a different style. Well, uh, so, so the one that I, I have the vinyl, uh, for, for listeners here, uh, I think, well, first of all, this, this came out October 91 was nevermind September. Yeah. Is that what it was? So these both have us, this, this would be a baby with a diaper. Uh, so baby diapers were popular at the time. It's just (laughs) probably an unfortunate coincidence, but that baby's in the dirt instead of in the water. Well, then, then we're making an Alice in Chains reference. So, uh, (laughs) yeah, 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 yeah. But I think my biggest real, real issue with this is that, like, there's this brown, you know, uh, sticks and uh, dried out uh, grass type uh, background with just the the name of the band and the the name of the album. Just there's not enough definition in between that it just kind of is a blur. Yeah, mm-hmm. how they chose dead grass versus purple and and weird green, but it's pretty um, awful. And and they don't. Re- I mean, the back isn't much better. Like, my, yeah, you know, Dude, um, dudes at bat, dudes at band practice. It is, <laughs> it's fun. I, yeah. I loved plenty of albums with terrible cover art. So, right. um, uh, it, my biggest gripe, yeah, sure, the the album cover's bad. Um. One other thing, like, and this is one of the things that that that's a, I, I did struggle hearing some of those lyrics. It's tough to get into some of those. Um, if you're, some of the songs, if you really can't understand what all the the words are, because this is an album that's obscure enough that you, you Google it, I'm I'm not going to be able to really pull up what what he's singing. So, uh, for me. Um, you know the the three in, it is three instrumentals too many, maybe. Um, I, I I dug the instrumentals a little bit more than what I think you guys might have, but um, I mean for me and I, I think there's a lot of musicians who listen to this podcast. When I hear some instrumentals, I do kind of take it as kind of an exercise. Like okay, well there's there's no vocals here. Where would where would I go with something like that? And I, I use it as an exercise to just kind of think like where could it go? And I obviously, you know, he didn't go there or they didn't go there, but yeah, I I enjoy it. They, they, they made me think they broadened my aspect on that. Okay. But um, 
I don't know. That's what I have to say about um, that. I do want to point out that if you go to Discogs, Tang has its own page where you can buy directly from them. Mm-hmm. You can buy this for $5 on vinyl directly from Tang Records. Is that where you got it, Andrew? Not. <laughs> okay. Um, I think I spent less than 20, um, but it was, a, it was an eBay purchase. Got it. I definitely should have. I should have done my homework. I, I just, I was curious, like, because I went it to the. T- didn't uh, the to repress. They're still selling the '91 stuff. Well, that's the thing. I think so. The white label is the CD version in some countries, oh. and the not white label with the white font that we're seeing yeah. on on uh, streaming, and it's a different color and font on vinyl. But that's not true in every like. Not every location around the world has the doesn't match that way. In some, mm-hmm. the vinyl is a different is is the white and the pinkish purple is a CD. So I don't know what the decision was to in terms of changing that. I feel like the white works better because it doesn't does. blend into the straw that's in the background or dead grass or whatever that's supposed to be. No, I, I definitely think white would have worked better for both because I, I don't think that olive green works either. I do feel bad because when I looked at their page, I was like, I wonder what, you know, if they have this, they're selling this. I wonder what other Tang releases they're selling. And there's a band called Maelstrom. <laughs> okay. From 1990. It's described as funk metal. Oh, my goodness. And they're selling it brand new, sealed from 1990 for $295. All right. I kind of want to buy it just (laughs) to see what it sounds like without even listening to it. Because like... It may be better just to imagine. (laughs) I got to... I mean, funk metal 1990. I mean, could we get some some mind funk? Some biohazard? What's what's this going to be? This would be... Biohazard might be a good... Good call with the name Maelstrom. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is their only record. So I kind of want to pick it up just for the, just for the sake of it. Cause okay, uh, I'll, I'll put it in the hopper for a future vote. <laughs> <laughs> um, so as we mentioned, this came out uh, basically the same time as Nevermind. I, I would imagine that this would got lost in the discussion of baby covers, uh, album <laughs> covers, um, which one was going to be dominant in the in the fourth quarter of 1991. But I mean, this is this is to me is like classic college radio, you know, especially 1980s college radio, but going into the 90s as well. Like this isn't getting played on any mainstream rock station other than maybe in boston their hometown yeah. like maybe they're playing them on the on the alternative mm-hmm. station there but i can kind of see why they would be you know kind of the underground band that the, the people in boston know but are still even though they're touring now are not going to be selling out like you know anywhere they're gonna be playing clubs still mm-hmm. um which to- it makes sense i mean in terms of, uh, I think, what were what our takes were on 
on the record. So we should probably get into our our final rating, Jay, of worthy album, better EP, or decent single. Where do you land? I'm gonna land at an EP. I really like the middle of this record. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would even keep travel music in there because it, it could be like a little palate cleanser. But I like I like to start just start a track three, fumble answer. Can you blame me? Let's keep travel music away from me, no soul, and end with blind. So you'd kind of start with a punk song, you'd end with a fast punk song, you'd have an instrumental in the middle, and then the sandwich of all that is, you know, some of the mix of both the, uh, you know, kind of the up-tempo driving melodic stuff, and then a couple of the more angular, slightly more, you know, adventurous uh, post-punk things. And I think that would be a pretty good EP. Where are you at, Tim? Yeah, I'm at a, I'm at an EP as well. I would I would be taking I would completely rearrange this. So I'd keep answer. Um, can you blame me? Away from me. No soul. Blind. Overrated. And I would actually end with only life of fun. Not only life of fun. Sorry. Tang uh, intro. I was going to say that was going to be a hot take there. No, I would end with Tang intro because I just think like ending it with two minutes of just rock and chaos would be a fun way to end the record or, or end the EP in this case. So, but it's it's a nitpicky thing because it's it's a, such a short record to begin with. It's only 32 yeah. minutes, like I said before, thir- 34 minutes. So, um, but I do think in the, in terms of the the two songs overrated and fumble which like really go hard for the hardcore i think overrated's got the cooler riffage and that's why i think i would keep that one over fumble so angie where do you land i met a worthy album uh i i really liked a whole lot of this uh it hasn't really left my I was about to say disc changer like I was driving in 96. But <laughs> it hasn't left the, the Spotify or the, the record uh, or the uh, record player behind me for a while. Um, you know, I've said a lot of the things that I like about it. And, uh, you know, some of the things that I worried a little bit, like, you know, is this going to be a little bit too derivative of Husker Du? Is it going to be a little bit too much on the... Uh, influence of the replacements but like i felt especially like when we got into some of the more um especially some of the heavier guitar playing uh i've I felt like um like the guitar solos in that intro or when, when he can really shred not the bob mold camp but um i, I thought that you, you could kind of hear the influence of him playing in a side project bullet la volta which is much, much heavier. Mm-hmm. Um, you could really hear that type of influence taking it in another direction. So I, I'm at a worthy, I'm at a worthy album, but um, you know, hopefully we can all agree that it can join baby covers of the round table, a future round table with baby covers, you know. I like uh, that never idea. Mind, boy named Goo. <laughs> oh yeah. We brought bring, bringing it back around to the to the goose. To the goose. I don't know. I got into very Christopher Walken territory there. <laughs> like goose. Oh, um, that happens from time to time, you know. It just does. It, it always comes to get you. 
Every once in a while, he just, he just reaches up and grabs you. It he does. Uh, we'll we'll <laughs> save the baby uh, roundtable for uh, maybe episode six six six. That would be. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that might, might we might be tempting the fates with that one. We might. What number is this one? This would be. This is six, five, four. Wow. So we're not we're closing in on six six six. Wow. Mother. <laughs> Demon thrall sweat live six six six. That's uh might be it might be the option. <laughs> Tell your children not to come away. Uh what your children should do is uh be a patron like Andrew by joining us at dmounion.com or dmounion.com. That's uh that's how you pick these records. Yeah, don't sign up for yourself. Sign your kids up. Yes. It's a longer, longer term <laughs> investment. Because then they can take over payments when they get their paper route or their yeah, milk you can delivery. tell they can use their phone, but then you just lock it down to only work with our Patreon page and Discord. There you go. Lock it be, in. What they- we'll, we'll educate them on music. What was that, Andrew? What was, that, what was the final vote on the Patreon? Oh, that's oh, thank you for reminding me. Uh, were the album 80%? Nice. Better EP 20%. So the majority of the folks, they're on your side, Andrew. And I love that there was a, was it Gavin gave it yes. a little time? Yeah. I love that. Sometimes you gotta, you gotta take a little time. And well, it's, uh, you know, everybody's busy. There's a lot of music to listen to. So it's always nice to hear it's when it's true at, in, in 2023 that people are giving it giving you know a new record enough time to actually like absorb it and appreciate it so that's cool there's a lot of good music out right now there is there's just too much (laughs) well and the problem is is that there's also good music that we don't know about that was released yeah 20 30 40 50 years ago yeah i mean i just heard some like like tchaikovsky piece on classic classical radio that the the college station does and i was like what i've never heard that before that's cool. Kind of sounds like Star Wars. <laughs> okay. Like, hey, reaching far back, you know, hundreds of years. I don't even know when Tchaikovsky was alive. It could have been like the 1500s. Was classical music a thing in the 1500s or is it like the 1800s? Like, when does it even start? I think it was before the 1800s. Well, who was, who was the first person to put together an orchestra. I don't even know that. And I listen to music every day. I don't know who's the first person to put together. I know like, I, I know things about rock and roll and like the first this and that and whatever, but like, who's the first dude is like, all right, we're going to take that ye, ye string section and ye uh, horns and we're putting ye together. The oldest with- piece of classical music is 4,000 year old Sumerian clay tablet. So it did not come out on Tang Records. Wait, it, <laughs> so is it music? Is the how do they know it's music? Uh, it, like, is there it music? It includes notes? instructions and tunings for a a hymn honoring the ruler Lipit Ishtar. Oh, is that what the movie Ishtar is about? Maybe, <laughs> probably. I don't think so. Let's go with that. Okay, Andrew, thank so, you for ju- suggesting this record. Somewhere between eight, oh, the eighteen hundreds and four thousand years ago. Okay, thank you. All right. <laughs> oh my god. Does it get a re-release on vinyl? Somewhere between a hundred and four thousand. 
Will that Sumerian chanting be available right on record store day? Will they be doing a special uh, re-release? <laughs> that would be kind of awesome. 180 on a, gram vinyl. On a 180 gram tablet. 180. <laughs> Sumerian. It's a, it's a clay. It's a clay disc. <laughs> we, don't use your n- normal needle for this. Right, no. <laughs> You tear the shit out of that. You have to get this special chisel. <laughs> That's how you listen to this record. Uh, uh, for real, to be safe, just just on Spotify. There you go. Keep... Is it on Spotify? Do they get residuals? <laughs> I how think that's it? in public domain. Oh, oh, okay. They didn't get the Disney exception. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. The Sumerians do not get the Disney exception. They must not have a good entertainment lawyer then. <laughs> they certainly do. <laughs> I was trying to say thank you to Andrew for um, being a, a member of our union and and being a part of the community. Love chatting with you on the on the uh, board and uh, and having you on every year. And every, I always- I like when you come because we don't know where you're going with these. As as we can tell from Antenna to Guar, which is a pretty <laughs> wide range of musical options. Uh, that, that that's man that you know i i have i like a lot of things and to tell you the honest truth i'm i'm always gonna i'm always gonna wear that guar uh album review proudly <laughs> if i've never listened to that since so oh. <laughs> i mean context that was a it, it was a a halloween episode right sure right so i i, I thought that was appropriate for the time and and um but you know, I mean, I, we had I had a good time doing that too. So excellent. Well, we want to tell people the Discord that I just mentioned. You get that by going to Patreon and becoming a member. You get access to an exclusive Discord where um, we don't uh, talk about secret documents that the government has. <laughs> On our Discord, we talk about demos by uh, Catherine Wheel. And uh, what uh, what the latest uh, King's X side project is uh, coming out and, <laughs> and things like that. Uh, so the really important stuff, the truly important stuff. Um, I saw somebody I don't have it up now, but uh, they're they're posted. Uh, there's the Soundgarden is like made up with yep. his uh, his widow. So we might be seeing Maybe. some new Soundgarden material. I don't know if it was finished like what state it was in but it sounds like there was new recordings yeah i made it sound like it was maybe vocals were done and well we're gonna hear some complete music at some point i mean i guess if you get the the vocals done that's kind of the most important thing because you can always retract guitar and yeah (sighs) yep so uh yes so Patreon gets you to the Discord. It also gets you the opportunity to vote in the polls, like the one for this episode, or for our monthly tournament of death. 27 albums enter, one album leaves. Suggested by going to digmeoutpodcast.com. Anyone can suggest. We get them, we roll in every day, and our intern has to take them every day, put them in the line. The line keeps growing. But then it keeps shrinking because every month, 27 albums are sacrificed to the review gods and one only uh, makes it. 
So digmeoutpodcast.com suggests an album. It's also where you go to sign up for the box newsletter, which is delivered each week with a review, uh, release calendar of new albums, books, movies, documentaries, TV shows about 80s, 90s, and aughts music, plus reviews of two new releases. I uh, just had uh, recently, I listened to on the same week, Thomas Bangalter's Symphonies, uh, which uh, or yeah, it's uh, it's 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 an orchestral album, and then I also listened to Overkill, which is a thrash metal band. So we're covering a wide swath <laughs> of music. Well, it's a big umbrella. Yes, we have here. I try to go to extremes, uh, like like Billy Joel in the song "I Go to Extremes." I also go to extremes by listening to a lot of death thrash metal that i've never listened to before and then balance that with like singer songwriter acoustic guitar or orchestral music or trip hop <laughs> just try to go in the complete opposite direction so you never know what you're going to get so roll the dice every week i don't know how many sides maybe an eight-sided die is there a seven-sided die it would seem like seven days of the week you'd need seven sides but there's no such thing as a seven-sided die it has to be an even number right yeah. I, I, that's a physics question or a D&D question, and I'm not... Well, I don't know. I'll have to look. I'll have to look at my D&D die. Or my actually, my daughter's D&D die. She's the, the player now. We just went to the store and got some... Went to the Dragon's Lair, which is a roll, roll, store roll here. Seven. Oh, you can? Yeah. A store here that specializes in Dungeons and & Dragon and Warhammer. Uh, so we went to that. And she got uh, she got some dye. Anyway, lastly, Apple Podcasts is where you go to leave positive feedback about this program brought to you by Tang, the drink, not the record label. Tang, it's the drink of astronauts. For Jay, I'm Tim. We're out. We'll be back next week with another episode of Dig Me Out. <laughs>